Captain Parker, how was it you came to join Imperial Airways? I uh, had been in the RAF and uh, decided that um, uh, civil flying was uh, attractive to me, so that uh, a few months after I left the RAF, I was accepted by Imperial Airways, and uh, I spent the first year of Imperial Airways uh, doing a certain amount of study and doing a certain amount of flying on the European services. What was life like with Imperial Airways at that time? Uh, well, to me it was exciting. I was a young man and I hadn't uh, flown big aeroplanes and um, I flew with very experienced uh, First World War pilots, a lot of whom were great characters and certainly most competent people, considering the equipment they had. And so I was um, learning and uh, enjoying life and going to uh, new countries, and uh, it was a new way of life for me. Did it compare to your mind favourably with the life in the RAF? Uh, yes, uh, of course, one always has uh, nostalgia for the RAF, uh, but uh, I had to earn my living, and uh, this seemed to me a, a very uh, enjoyable way of doing it. What sort of pay did the Imperial Airways organisation hand out in those early days? Well, uh, as a young man, it wasn't bad. The, uh, the pilots certainly, uh, and so the captains, I think, for those days, were... Uh, well paid. The first officers, uh, I would say, were adequately paid. Uh, when I went overseas in '36, um, and I came onto the uh, flying pay system, then I started to be really rather well paid. Was it a formal life? Was Imperial Airways a very formal organisation to work for? Uh, not really. Uh, on the job, uh, to some extent, but... Uh, what you did in your spare time uh, was really um, a, a nice change from the RAF in that once you had finished the job um, and you were off duty, uh, you had no other responsibilities. And, um, uh, of course, there were uh, things which sound uh, uh, quite strange these days. One had to ask permission to get married and uh, things like that. But uh, generally speaking, uh, they were fairly paternalistic. Now, you're speaking from the viewpoint of a former Imperial Airways captain, but how about the, uh, the, the lower ranks, so to speak? Well, I think for engineers and um, stewards and some of the ground staff, life wasn't very easy. Uh, but then, of course, uh, the 1930s was the era of the Depression, and, I, and Imperial Airways was hardly a very profitable concern. So I suppose they felt that... Um, they would only pay what the market um, would allow. Talking of the discipline and the atmosphere, I believe you had an experience once when you landed and you were not feeling too well. Uh, well, this happened uh, when I arrived in Karachi and there was a rather authoritarian Scots uh, technical manager who insisted that um, <clears throat> I taxied the aeroplane over to the airship hangar uh, before I could go sick. Uh, this was part of the uh, uh, sort of discipline which he felt was necessary. Now, if we could turn to the Australian routes, I believe that you flew on this route, first of all, in the HP-42. What sort of aircraft was that like to handle? Well, it was heavy, but um, 
and it was very slow by today's standards, but it was very comfortable, and uh, it carried a lot of passengers very safely uh, all over the um, eastern uh, routes and in Europe, so that it was a good aeroplane, although um, our competitors in its closing days uh, thought it looked uh, as if it was almost ready for a museum. Was it, um, you were talking of speed, uh, was it all that slow compared with the airlines, say, such as KLM? Uh, towards the end, in 1938-39, KLM were flying DC-2s and DC-3s, and uh, I imagine their uh, air speeds were around 160 uh, miles an hour, whereas the uh, poor old HB-42 uh, couldn't do much more than 85-90. When you say that the HP-42 was a heavy aircraft uh, to handle, and to the layman, um, do you mean that this was uh, the need for more force on the controls? Yes. Uh, it, it was a little physically tiring. Uh, it had a large wheel which you uh, wound round to correct for the um, wallowing, and uh, it was heavy manually. Now, these um, flights that you made on the eastern routes with the HP-42, completely uneventful, or were there occasions when you found that uh, life was a bit exciting? Uh, I think life was um, more interesting in uh, those days compared with the present jets, in that um, uh, one didn't have all the uh, facilities at your fingertips, and uh, the navigation and maintenance and so on um, was uh, more primitive. Uh, but of course, um, uh, reliability wasn't as great, anything like as it is now. And as a first officer, you were expected to be able to change cylinders and wheels and tires and so on. So that um, it was uh, uh, physically uh, a harder life. But against that, I'm sure the stress was less. There was one incident, was there not, when you were on your way south towards Bahrain. Oh, yes. Um, this was in August 1936. Uh, I was flying as first officer to Captain Messenger, and uh, we passed over Bahrain, which was covered in low cloud, uh, and uh, eventually had to force land in the desert uh, at night, somewhere about 70 miles south of Bahrain, where Doha is now. And... Um, Interestingly enough, I went to Doha um, somewhere in the early 1960s and there was a magnificent airport and the city springing up. But in those days, there were just a few mud huts and we were um, found by some Bedouins um, and uh, stayed in the desert for about 36 hours before the RAF found us and they eventually lifted us out. We had about 13 passengers, some of whom were bound for Australia. And were these passengers um, fed well during that enforced stop, or were you short of supplies? We had a Indian Medical Service doctor on board who uh, suggested that we could live on three glasses of liquid a day and that we should ration what fluid we had to that. Well, the temperature was over 100 with high humidity, and we all found living on three drinks a day uh, a little tiresome, but uh, we had enough food when we were found to have lasted for another two or three days. Did you feel that you were going to be found without any trouble? Uh, yes, I think so. We uh, uh, 
felt that, that uh, the RAF were not very far away, and it was, of course, good weather, and we were, should have been fa- uh, fairly visible uh, in the desert. Now, this was obviously not your um, only experience with the Australian route, because uh, shortly after this, you translated uh, to flying boats. How did this translation take place? Well, I had done a flying boat course uh, in England in 1935, and uh, I had kept my hand in whilst I was still flying uh, the 42s by going in my spare time to Alexandria whenever there was uh, any local flying to be done. And um, in 1938, uh, I was uh, checked out to fly the flying boats, and... uh, I started uh, from Southampton then uh, on the routes to Singapore and uh, Durban. What were the flying boats like to handle after the uh, HP-42s? Well, they also were fairly heavy uh, aeroplanes, but we had an autopilot so that uh, a lot of the um, physical uh, effort was taken out of it. And uh, by comparison, they were uh, a much more modern aeroplane. Again, if I could ask you if you had any particular incidents uh, on, the, on the time that you were with the flying boats. Uh, I don't think, uh, apart from normal uh, minor mishaps and hold-ups with engine troubles and so on, uh, I had any um, uh, real problems with the flying boats. But I believe a colleague of yours did uh, in in uh, one particular instance during the monsoon period, wasn't it? Ah, yes. Um, a Captain Gurney uh, was caught in uh, a series of thunderstorms in the monsoon and decided that uh, he couldn't uh, uh, make for Lake Gwalior where he was supposed to be landing. And he forced landed on a dam... Um, about 100 miles from Gwalior, uh, and I think it's called on the map Lake Dugari, uh, subsequently named Lake Dugurney, because the boat had to remain there for a, uh, a week or so uh, until the dam filled up sufficiently high for it to be able to take off again. Now, if we could move until the period immediately after the uh, Second World War, uh, when you took the chairman of uh, BOAC then, Lord Knowles, out to New Zealand, what was the background to this flight? Well, I, I gather Lord Knowles and uh, <coughs> two or three uh, executives in BOAC were attending a Commonwealth Pacific Air Conference in Wellington, and uh, it was decided that um, he would go out by flying boat to uh, this conference and then go on uh, from New Zealand, up through the Far East to Japan, where he had a meeting with General MacArthur to discuss uh, BOAC's rights uh, and uh, licenses to operate a service uh, through to Japan. How did the flight itself go? Uh, It all um, ran to schedule except for one day when we were unable to get into Hong Kong and we had to spend the night at Okinawa. But the uh, whole trip was occupied about five to six weeks and um, it uh, ran entirely to schedule and we got back on the day that um, uh, we intended to. Incidentally, on the way out, uh, we flew from uh, Southampton to 
Rangoon, stopping at uh, uh, various places to refuel, which was some 40 hours, and um, with the uh, three pilots on board taking it in turns, this wasn't really uh, as tiring as it sounds, uh, because the boats were comfortable and we were able to get the odd uh, two or three hours sleep here and there. Were you using a well-established route in 1946, or did you have to uh, try any of the landing places of which you weren't too sure? Uh, the route was well established to Singapore, but from uh, Singapore uh, we landed at Surabaya, where the uh, Dutch Navy were um, in possession, and they looked after us. And then from Surabaya to Darwin, um, Darwin was uh, we were handled by Qantas, and from Darwin we went over to uh, Northern Queensland, uh, a place called Bowen, and then bound to Brisbane and Brisbane to Sydney. And then when you went across to New Zealand, that, I take it, was just a straightforward uh, one-day hop? That's right. We left, um, I think, early, I'm not sure whether we left early in the morning or late at night. I think late at night. And we, that's right, we flew across the Tasman at night and arrived, because of the time lag, it was better to do it that way. And we arrived uh, in Wellington, um, in the uh, sort of middle of the morning. 